listening to Cinema Jaw, the greatest movies podcast ever, recorded on location from Cinema Jaw Studios in Chicago. My name is Matt Kay, and with me is... Ride the Movie Guy, and sitting right to my left, KP. Hello. Happy 2024 Jawheads. Matt K, KP, Happy New Year. Can Happy you New believe Year. it? Happy New Year to everybody, too. We, we're back. We are back. We took a hiatus, Matt. I mean, two is weeks, two weeks a, Is that a hiatus, for really? For us, for 14 years, we very seldom take two weeks off. It's I, a hiatus. I, and I, it's not because of, like, a mistake, right? It's not because we've lost a file or something. We just took two weeks off. I honestly cannot remember the last time we took two weeks off. It's been that long. It really has. Yeah, years we're talking. We deserved it, though. I think so. And I'll, It's refreshing. It is. And at the end of the year, we're doing a lot of crunch, watching tons of screeners. Our yeah. award uh, body, the, the, the Chicago, Chicago Indie, Indie Critics, Critics yeah. we got to put in votes for that. They're, that's time-consuming. There's a lot of stuff going on there right, is. right at the end of the year, not to mention something called the holidays and family and stuff going on. So, yes, we needed a couple of weeks. Burned off. out a little. Absolutely. Yeah. But now... I'm excited to talk movies. I'm recharged. So am I. And we kick it off with a great guest who's going to be joining us shortly. Yeah, Katie Glidewell is back. I believe this is her second appearance on the show. Yep. The Blonde in Front is her website, and she is a also a very prolific film viewer. Absolutely. And she is a voting member at the Chicago Indie Critics, so we'll talk to her about a special category here. We said we always like to recap the year. We've done movies, we've done scenes, now we're into the actors, and this week we're going to do our top five favorite female performances with Katie, and we lump everything into that. So lead, supporting, as long as it's a female performance in 2023, it qualifies for this list. Okay. Sound good? Yeah. In addition to that, we got reviews, main review, American Fiction. Stoked. And Love me some Jeffrey Wright. Because we took two weeks off, we will briefly talk about two new movies that came out in 2024 already, Night Swim and The Beekeeper. Okay. Zzz. And R.E.M. Right. Yeah. Of course. <laughs> in addition to that, in honor of The Beekeeper, we are doing some cross-programming here since we're talking female performances. We're going to play Jason Statham movie trivia, yourself versus Katie in Statham movie trivia. I don't. I have no idea how that will go. Should be a doozy. It should be a doozy. I mean, I think he's only made like three different franchise films. <laughs> when I was doing, he makes, the, he's in three new franchises a year. Are you kidding? But when I was doing the the writing the questions, I was like, oh my god, he's only in these films. There's just like seven of these films and five of these films, and he's just in all of these. Yeah, you know. But, but I love me some Jason Statham. It's good stuff. So we are kicking it off here. Because it's January, we needed a new theme. And we looked what was coming out. Nothing great in January, always slow, but right at the end of the month, we're talking February, I think, 2nd is a Friday, Argyle comes out, which we're sort of excited for. It's going to be an Apple TV movie, but it will be in theaters, and we are celebrating because of that Sam Rockwell. I mean, that may or may not prove to be a bad reason to celebrate Sam Rockwell, but you know, there aren't really bad reasons to celebrate Sam Rockwell. I think we can all agree we love Sam Rockwell. He's one yeah. of our favorites. He's he's absolutely one of the best. So let's kick it off with the Sam Rockwell fact, KP. Yes. Uh, this one, I never thought I had as much in common with Sam Rockwell until right now. Sam Rockwell loves dancing, loves cutting a rug. 
and in so, so many of the roles that he's been in, you can catch him dancing even. On screen, he, he brings this into the films, no less. Uh, whether that was taking the stage as Justin Hammer in Iron Man 2, the villainous reveal, as, as Ryan may call it. No, it's Matt who calls it a twist. Yeah, Ryan calls it a reveal. In <laughs> uh, Charlie's Angels, when we find that out, he's dancing. Uh, and he's kind of danced his way into our hearts, I like to think. I also followed this up. Uh, as a child, he considered himself to be a young Kevin Bacon, which is like kind of, okay, chill out, Sam. Uh, but I respect, like, I'm never going to tell somebody don't dream big. Uh, <laughs> And while he's never been formally trained, he did learn everything he knows from Footloose, Risky Business, and Christopher Walken, surprisingly, uh, from Fatboy Slim. Right, in the music video. Uh, Rockwell has even, he's taken so much from Christopher Walken that he's been in his own music video. Uh, It's the Australian band Flight Facilities, uh, and it's, you can look it up, the song is called Down to Earth. Interesting. I didn't know anything this about Sam. Yeah. Hey, man. He can cut a rug. I mean, think about it, like that Justin Hammer entrance. Makes sense. He's always dancing. I guess so, yeah. He's got a way about moving. It's good. Yeah, it's a trademark. Speaking about dancing and moving, our next guest, Kitty Glidewell. Mm -hmm. It's in her name. She glides right into the room, right? Yeah. Goes by... The Great blonde, segue, Ryan. Right? Yeah. I, I'm really, I'm really hitting that all cylinders you go from in Rockwell 2024. To Glidewell, right? we gotta take two weeks off more often. We don't get this kind of performance out of Ryan. <laughs> I am on my A game, guys. All right, here it is. She goes by the blonde in front. We've had her on once before. Welcome back, Katie, to Cinema Jaw. Thank you guys so much. That's one of the best entrances I've ever heard in my entire life. You got to <laughs> dance in like uh, Justin Hammer. I mean, you know, I do I do glide well. Some people have thought that it's a fake name. Like, nope, mom and dad, that's all you. <laughs> so thank you. <laughs> so the blonde in front saw in a huge number of movies. We Very just impressive. had Mark Dusick on, and we were going crazy about him seeing 560-some th- movies. It was I 600. The it was six-something. Uh, something. I mean, just a crazy number. And you, you, you've topped this. Katie, you've seen how many movies in 2023? It's 7.89. Wow. That is a lot of films. That's impressive. It really Thank is. You. Thank you. Seven in a day, you said one time? Uh, Yeah. Just over and over. I mean, you know, it's Chicago in the wintertime. If you're not doing anything, like, and you've got 18 different things that you can stream, might as well just go through them and just keep on going. And that's sometimes what I did. Like, what, last night I watched five. Wow. It was a it was a slow night. I was just like at home. And are these a lot of the screeners that we get at the end of the year? So you're still going through some of those? No, uh, those I've gone through. Uh, these were just I was just catching up on stuff uh, on Amazon Prime, on Netflix, on Hulu. Like some things, I'm like, don't know what this is. Never seen it. It's 2020 movie. Watched it. I'm like, okay, so I've got that in the books, and there you go. Interesting. Wow. Seriously impressive. It really is. Thank you. <laughs> so your top 10, yes. you are another podcast. It came out with your top 10, but we want to go over it because obviously the Jawheads haven't heard. And we love to We should plug that here. podcast. What was it? It was uh, Neon Movie Bunker. Friends of the show. Absolutely. Yes. Yeah. And if you could briefly go over your top 10, 10 through 1 for us, Katie. So one... I'm a person who doesn't like to choose. So my top 10 is actually like top 18 that has a lot of slashes to them. 
Uh, some of them, like I know 10 through 6, um, are at least, I think, 12 films. Uh, but number 10 is, yeah. <laughs> 10 through 6 are 12 movies. Yeah, I know. Okay. That's the thing. Uh, number 10 is Talk to Me slash When Evil Lurks. Mm, couple um, horror films, okay. Number 9 is Are You There, God, It's Me, Margaret, Birth, Rebirth, Birth, Rebirth, and Artifice Girl. Uh, number eight is... Artifice Girl getting some love. I like that movie. Oh, Not a lot of people have seen it. That is one of my... That was one of my top ten uh, favorite genre films of nice. last year. Uh, number eight is Oppenheimer and Killers of the Flower Moon. Mm. Number seven is The Zone of Interest and Anatomy of a Fall. Uh, number six is American Fiction, The Holdovers, and A Thousand One. Number five is Spider-Man Across the Spider-Verse. Number four is Barbie slash Poor Things. Number three is Past Lives. Number two is All of Us Strangers. Number one, you guys probably know what my number one is because I told you guys to watch it every time I saw you last year before. I believe it's called Origin. Origin. And that was my number one. As soon as I watched it, bam. It was immediately my number one on the list. So... We're into award season now, and mm-hmm. Origin isn't getting the love that I think a lot of people thought it was going to. It came out in Toronto when I was at the Toronto International Film Fest. It had some buzz about it, and th- this happens all the time. Uh, you either start to rise, yeah. to, or some of them start to fade. Origin seems like it's it's fading, and it's not really appearing in, in much categories. It's kind of upsetting, because it's, a, it's a, a damn good pick uh, for a number one for your list. Thank you so much. I I mean, I don't know what the reason is. I think Ava DuVernay is an outstanding uh, director and uh, screenwriter. I felt the same way regarding Selma. That was one of those that I was enraged when there was nothing that was nominated for that. I mean, the accolades that that should have received. And I feel the same way about this. It's I don't know what the problem is. I don't like honestly, and I do feel like it is an issue because this is a film that I have just raved about. I feel like this is a film that needs to be seen in theaters, in schools. Like this is an important hmm. film based on a Pulitzer Prize winning novel. Like it's it's fantastic. Uh, you know, Angelou um, Angelou Ellis. Sorry. Angelou Ellis Taylor is fantastic. Um, John Bernthal, Niecy Nash. I mean, everybody in it. Uh, it just, it honestly has a subject matter that really needs to be heard and watched and listened to and seen. And uh, yeah, I just, it honestly, it really does bother me that not more people have seen it. And that's why I, you know, I, one of the reasons, only reasons why. I was able to see it because we received the compilation from Neon. Mm-hmm. And thank goodness we did, because if that hadn't happened, it's like, because I know, I think we have a screener or a screening on the 16th, which is great. But I mean, it's up for awards consideration in 2023. If it was 2024, that would be fine. Right. But I think it's a little, you know, a little too late. But yeah, I mean, you guys know that. It's not too late for the Academy, though. <laughs> it's not. It's right. not, but you guys know that every single screening I saw, you was like, have you seen it yet? Have you watched the movie yet? You guys need to watch the movie. Why haven't you? <laughs> well, the good news is... I love is, Duvernay. Yes, yeah. and the good news for the Jawheads listening to this, it's really opening up here yeah. in Chicago, I, the 17th, 
So it, it you'll still yeah. People are probably listening to this and are thinking, well, I didn't even know it was out. Well, it's still coming out. It's one of those late releases, hoping yeah. to catch some award buzz, but it's just the buzz isn't there, unfortunately. Yeah. So seek it out. Absolutely. So for the jawheads that want to follow you online, I know you do a lot of great Instagram photos. They uh, really are so great. Forth. Oh, thank you. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> where should we send them? Plug anything you want to plug here. I'm on Instagram, Facebook. I just join TikTok. I know I'm that aunt that, you know, <laughs> the aunt that tells you to watch all the movies. Like, I just joined TikTok, kids. Um, <laughs> at the blonde in front. Um, on everything. Yeah. Instagram, Facebook, uh, TikTok, YouTube, and my website that is very much um, being overlooked. But uh, look at the other stuff because I'm all about the pictures and, you know, trying to make the funny and all that. And we'll put the links in the show notes for everybody. Thank you so much. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Katie has her top five favorite per- female performances of the year picked out, as me and Matt do. Before we get there, a review, Matt. Mm-hmm. Jeffrey Wright, a favorite actor of mine, usually pops up in supporting roles, but with the new film American Fiction, he is up front and center. He plays a writer frustrated by the fact that he cannot get his latest novel published. Joining him is a talented cast that includes Sterling K. Brown and Adam Brody, of all people. We hit the theater to see just how black this movie is. Listen, Monk, you need some time off. Why don't you go back and spend a little more time with your family? You know that all successful writers are tormented by their families. You look fat. Okay. Welcome home, baby! How the fuck? I don't feel like much of the writer lately. Your books change people's lives. And something I've written never changed your life. Absolutely. My dining room table was wobbly as hell. Oh my god. Before your last <laughs> book came out, it was like perfect. Ah, I'm I joked about how black American fiction is because that is the central idea to this satirical comedy. Jeffrey Wright plays Monk, a frustrated novelist who's fed up with the establishment that profits from black entertainment that relies on tired and offensive tropes. To prove his point, he uses a pen name to write an outlandish black book on his own, a book that propels him to the heart of hypocrisy and the madness he claims to disdain. His brother, played by Sterling K. Brown, is outrageous. High on drugs and sex the whole entire time. Very, very funny. Monk starts a relationship with Coraline, and she becomes a fan of this new book, not knowing that he wrote it. The film is hilarious and thought-provoking at the same time. I am also a fan of any film that takes a swipe at Tyler Perry, and this was a mic drop on Tyler Perry. We'll start with Katie. It was on your top ten list. What did you like about American Fiction? What I liked about American Fiction is that it's two stories in one. It's Monk dealing with the book within the book, uh, the hypocrisy that he um, is making, and he knows just the more ridiculous that he makes the book, the more money he ends up getting. But it's also the American Fiction of everything that's going on with his family that I feel like is very universal in American families in one way or another um, that people can relate to. Death, divorce, um, dementia of an elderly parent, dealing with um, selling their home. There's so many attributes in his family that are going on while he's also dealing with the book that I think that's the unifying quality of the film. But 
What I love about it is that it reminded me so much of when I was a child watching uh, Hollywood Shuffle from 1987. Wow, uh, that's a deep cut. Yeah. And to me, it's like a literary Hollywood shuffle. And I don't think that's, I mean, to me, that's the biggest compliment you get because I loved that film growing up and watching that on cable over and over and over again. Like, um, yeah, Robert Townsend, I think, is an outstanding director and writer. And I always loved watching that film and seeing this, it just brought me back to that um, time like 40 years ago and how many things like were so relatable. I think the cast is amazing. I think Cord Jefferson, this is his uh, first film that he's made. I cannot wait to see what else he does. And yeah, I mean, I again, this is a film that deserves all the awards, all the nominations. And seriously, um, everyone needs to see this. Matt? It's an onion of a movie. Did you say that earlier? Because I hope I'm not stealing your line. No, I okay. didn't. But that's, yeah, that's great. <laughs> There's a lot going on with American fiction. And it's not lost upon me that at the core of American fiction is about white people critiquing black works of art. Right. Uh, that is not lost upon me whatever whatsoever. But it's also like a story about an unreliable narrator because... I, I will not spoil anything, but the end of the movie makes you question what came before, or at least I questioned what came before as as to what is reality and what is part of the fiction. Katie brought up a point that I didn't even consider until just now, that American fiction is also about the the stories we tell ourselves about the American experience, whether it be the, the, the white American experience or the black American experience. Lots of fiction in there. One hilarious moment in the movie is when Jeffrey Wright is having a quiet moment in his bedroom. I can't even remember what he's doing. And the TV is on, and he turns on, like, BET or something. And there's some stuff on TV that's just, like, hilarious. Super satirical and dry, but yet there's also some, like, gags, too. Just a great movie on a lot of different levels. Like, you can enjoy this movie on, like, ten different levels. One other thing I said to Katie downstairs when we were waiting for you, it doesn't matter which side of the political spectrum you find yourself on. I think you will agree with a lot of this and disagree with a lot of this no matter which side you're on. There's just, the movie doesn't take a stance. It it really just brings up questions. And that is sometimes better. Than, than having a firm stance. Yeah, I, I will say it does take a stance on on the sense that uh, the point that he's making, as far as like people writing the quote unquote black experience as being these tropes that and that what seems to be what drives like white people to say, oh my God, that's such a amazing book. I can't believe you know. For instance, Jeffrey Wright's character yeah. has to say he's out on parole. You know, he's got this pen name, and they they need to almost tell a backstory about this author, and people are are fascinated by that. Um, and and early on in the movie, he he talks about how he wrote the book, and his publisher says, "Well, it's just not black enough." You know, yeah. and, and he's like, "Well, I'm black, and I wrote the book. What what does that mean exactly?" Right. Um, but there, there's this wonderful shot when he goes in. So there's an author uh, early on, in, in, and, in, and she's throughout the uh, movie, but early on in the uh, movie, we find out that there's this hot-selling book by this new author. And Jeffrey Wright 
is in like the hotel or wherever this is at, and she's doing like a speaking, uh, a reading from the book. A a convention or something. Right. Mm -hmm. And so he walks into this room, and the author is reading from the book that she wrote, and it's just so over the top uh, uh, kind of tropes that we're talking Mm -hmm. about here. And he's standing behind the crowd, and he's got this look on his face of just like disgust. He can't believe that this is what this author wrote. And then it ends... And this white lady pops up, and it, t- it over it, 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 it's right in front of Jeffrey Wright. The camera shot is just perfect, and she stands up like it's the greatest thing she's ever heard in her life. And that contrast there was just absolutely perfect. But does it occur to you that that's exactly what we're doing right now? Yes, absolutely. Okay, good. Yeah, I was like, I don't even know how I'm going to talk about this movie because to talk about this movie is almost to participate in the hypocrisy that the movie is trying to get at. You know, it's weird. I, I loved it, but I, I almost have a hard time talking about it. No, we can talk about it. That's what we, we no, got to no, no, do. No, no. Yeah, podcast. I know, but it's 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 because I think it's looking at criticism that to a degree, yeah, for sure. But it's also looking at those tropes, like I was just saying. I mean, it's, it's making multiple points everywhere. I, I, I right. mean, it's not just one thing that they're focused on here. But there's 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 a book club that not a book club. He he joins a uh, a literary panel to uh, to 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 give an award, yes, bestow to, to an award, name like the book of the year kind of deal. Mm-hmm. And they have this conversation about like how can you judge art? It's subjective. And I was like, oh, all right, you know, that's that's my point too. Like you cannot judge truly judge art. It's but that's what we do every week. Well, and it's like at the beginning of the film, which I told you, dancer. Yeah. Like the beginning of the film is my favorite beginning of a film of 2023, where uh, Jeffrey Wright is a professor at a college, and he's talking about a uh, piece of literature from the South that has a word that we will not um, discuss. But one of his students, uh, very aggressively says that she is you know offended by this word and he says yes that's that's kind of the point and you know that's that's why we're discussing this she's like well i don't i shouldn't have to see it and he's like well i think if i got over it i think you can and she's like well i don't think i can and then um you don't see what happens but you see her leave crying and my thing with that was like I just love that beginning so much because it says so much about uh, I I don't know I just I just love everything about it um, because one it's the fact that yes it's it's a word that no one it's a horrible word that um, was used in a horrible way and we're you should be offended by it but if he's the one teaching this class and you knew there was a syllabus and all this stuff. You should have left. You can leave. The, the, the whole class doesn't have to go around what you consider offensive because it is offensive. That's the point of what this is. And, um, yeah, that to me, uh, beginning of the film was like, thank you. Slow clap. I knew immediately it's like, and this is going to be one of my favorite films of the year. And then it just got better from there because, you know, every time they talked about um, a book that, offended him that he was like oh my god you got to be kidding me it's like how it's painfully real and raw and urgent it's like is it is it painfully real raw and urgent it really isn't but okay and it's like again every time he tried to do something 
that would just it's like this is ridiculous i'm going to do this and then it's going to be done then he would just end up be making like more money and he's mm-hmm. like and this is the society that we live in and even um the book that he ends up writing when it's nominated for the award the two <laughs> black authors are like this really isn't what we should be you know rewarding and the three other judges that are white it's like but it is you know right. this is the black voices and i feel like that is the point it's like these are the black voices that are trying to tell you it's not and you're not listening to them 100 that is one what, of the one yeah. of the best moments of the movie yeah yeah and great it's like, joke it really is that is the whole point of what we're trying to say um but yeah this is one of those films like you need to go see this in the film in in the theater and then discuss it that I mean, even if you don't like it, even if you've got problems with it, it's about discussing it. And that's, I think, the main so, thing about it. Did you see it at a screening in a theater with a crowd? No. OK. Either did I. And I was actually disappointed because a lot of times when you watch a comedy, it's just not the same by yourself. You know, I'm laughing. and I, But I thought to myself, man, I would have liked to seen this with a, a packed theater with the reaction of everybody really, you know. Yeah, there's some good. Film. There's some good zingers in there. Oh, I mean, oh. the, the joke at the end about Tyler Perry. I went online to see, like, did he have to have anything to say about this? Because, in a way, one of the points of the movie, as we said, it's making a lot of points. But one of the points is that Tyler Perry is making a, a, a profit off of the exact thing that they're talking about. Of well, I think you know reinforcing wh- those tropes wisely. Though the movie even examines that. Like, is that is that wrong? Like, I can't remember the um, the author's name, the character's name, uh, who's his foil. She she wrote the book that he's jealous of, and they get to have a conversation about whether or not it's it's um, ethical or or you know just just to go after these these base um, puerile sort of uh, what what sells, and and she kind of makes a pitch, and I don't think he completely bats it down you know and there is something to that like is it okay to make art that's just for the masses you know like Mm -hmm. this is what's going to sell this is what i'm here to i'm I'm a business person you know like i don't know that i liked this movie on so many different levels you know we we need to talk oh go ahead katie oh well and one one of the other aspects i love i love i honestly truly loved and cherished about it is the relationship between the siblings between Jeffrey Wright um, Tracy Ellis Ross and Sterling K. Brown their chemistry Mm -hmm. and their dialogue is just I mean obviously I feel like they have to have siblings that they act like that with because it was just so natural and so well done and it was like this when you it made me think when you talked about the zings it's like those are the zings in there that are just so subtle yet just blatantly in your face that only uh, brothers and sisters yeah. and stuff like that know that I think was done so well agreed agreed and I wanted to talk about the cast yes I mean um uh, what's his name? Sterling K. Brown. Yeah. Fantastic. Jeffrey Wright, who started his career, I've always been a fan, but he was more of a serious actor. When I say serious, he wasn't doing comedy so much. Then he appeared in two Wes Anderson films, and I loved him in these Wes Andersons. Yeah. And and he, he just is perfect in this as well. It's like, hey, wait a minute. Very well cast. Maybe mm-hmm. he should start doing more comedies than he does dramas, I think. He's good in both. Why yeah. limit yourself? You know? Jaw-dropping moment here for me. I brought up that Adam uh, Brody. Yes. Who, 
how do we know that guy? Is he from the OC? I, I don't even know how I know. Yeah, he OC, started right? out. Um, what are those television shows? He started out with the OC, and then he's done like a few other uh, episodic things, but not like a regular cast member on episodic television. But um, I know he's married to Leighton Meester, but OC is really what um, put him in the okay. books for me. That's what I thought. And I was like, man, I sort of know this guy, but he, he pops up here. And this is my jaw-dropping moment, is he plays a, a film producer. And at this point, they're, they're thinking of optioning this book that uh, Monk wrote. And Monk, Jeffrey Wright, has got to go meet him at a restaurant. But now he's got to act like he's this thug that just got out of uh, jail and, and you know, is on the down low. And, he's, and they have this conversation at the table. Absolutely hysterical. That one, definitely <laughs> one of the funniest moments of the movie for me. I was laughing out loud. That right. was my jaw-dropping moment. That's a good one. Mine is Philip. I thought for sure Philip would get called back. He does not. <laughs> get the fuck out of here, Philip. <laughs> that <Fucking> was <laughs> that was amazing. That was like so out of left field, so funny. That's all I want to say about it because I just want people to to have that moment of the film. <laughs> Gonna kick your ass, Philip. <laughs> yeah. Anything else that we're we're missing? A jaw-dropping moment that you want to bring up, Katie? No, just the beginning. The beginning right there just sets the tone of the film that it's like, all right, this is going to be something that I'm going to like. <laughs> <laughs> As for a movie poster quote, I went with one of the best comedies of 2023, plain and simple. I almost wouldn't consider it a comedy. But oh, it's a comedy it, for is sure. It, okay. It's a smart comedy. Like, it's like you very said. smart comedy. Right. Yeah. Okay. I went with You'll Love American Fiction, True Story. Not bad. We're on a four-jaw scale here. I'm at three and a half jaws. Katie? If Of a four-jaw, uh, 375. 3.75. I'm going to go ahead and give it the full four wow. jaws. What's strong. I, there really aren't too many flaws in the movie. I, I can't really think of one off the top of my head. It was well-paced. The jokes were funny. The, the heartbreak was heartbreaking. The love was loving. Like, it, it's firing on all cylinders for me. American Fiction is playing in theaters now, Jawhead. So get out there, support the film. I was glad to see the SAG nominations came out about a day or two before we were of this recording. And it got Best Ensemble, which was oh, great. Yay. And Sterling K. Brown got supporting See? and jeffrey wright got a nomination for lead so i thought oh this is bold and well i think it's gonna it's gonna be a, a player in the oscars it's gonna have some nominations at least cool so excited for american fiction that makes me happy <laughs> if you see this one jaw has let us know what you think shoot us a tweet we're at cinema jaw or our email feedback at cinemajaw.com this brings us into our celebration of female performances of 2023. And we are going to let Katie, our guest, kick things off with her number five. You may have heard, Jawheads, she had 25 movies in her top 10. So I don't know what she's <laughs> going to do here with her top five performances. What do you got at number five? Number five. Um, number five is one that's uh, it's a slash, but it's... Um, two actresses that are in the same film and then every supporting um, part they've been in they've made whatever they've been in like just exceed what actually I thought the film was uh, Marin Ireland and Judy Reyes in Birth Rebirth uh, these two uh, it's kind of a Frankenstein um, sort of film and yet it's not it's more about um, trying to 
uh, make life persevere, even though it's uh, has been extinguished in these two women, how their bond and what their bond is of um, of uh, the person that they're trying to keep alive. Uh, Marin Ireland was also in Eileen and the Boogeyman. I personally did not like either of those films, but I thought that her performance in both of those films was one of the best part of the movies. And then with Judy Reyes, she was in Dr. Death and the Horror of Dolores Roach. Again, um, she exceeded that. But these two together, I thought was just magic. And I um, actually nominated them for uh, Best Actress when we had our awards. And I wish they uh, honestly would have gotten more recognition for this film, because I think it's an excellent, excellent movie. I've seen Birth Rebirth. We didn't talk about it here no. on Cinema Job, but uh, not a, not as high up on it probably as you from the sound of it, but I enjoyed it. I think it's on Shutter. Mm -hmm. I was gonna say, I think it's a Shutter film. So worth checking out, Jawheads, for sure. Shutter in general, don't sleep on Shutter. Seriously. Yeah. Uh, all right. Speaking of Shudder, I also have a slash at number five. What is going from on? From a horror movie, and it is from Megan. And uh, I wanted to, <laughs> I wanted to give a quick shout out to John McCreary who left a Instagram a, a letterbox comment on your letterbox. Ryan. Yes. Yes. Uh, and he and he said, you know, good pick, Matt. I th something like that. Um, so John, this one's for you. I want to highlight both Amy McDonald and Violet McGraw. You won't let Megan go. <laughs> but especially um, especially Amy McDonald, who plays Megan. This is an Andy Circus level motion performance because she doesn't get to show her face. And I know it's like her body. It's not CG, whatever. They CG just the head. But of all the iconic like moments of film that could like appear up on the wall at the AMC... Megan doing that dance down the hallway is has got to be one of the most memorable moments of the year. And th this little girl's kinetic um, motion, the way she moved that that creature, that Megan, like think about the the scene in the woods when she's running on all fours. Crazy good. Nobody's talking about it, and it pisses me off. My number five. There you go. Wow. Well, what's great here is I also have a young actress at my number five, so we got something in common here. Um, I went with, I'm going to butcher her name big time, but it's Madeline Yuna Voyurls, I think is how you say her last name. Uh, she plays the little girl Elfie in the movie The Creator. Good choice. Nice. Yeah, that's pretty good. Yeah. I don't know how old she is. Can we throw that in the fish tank KP? I'd like to get an age on her, but she's somewhere between six and 10 years old. Yeah. Very sure. young. I right? thought she was eight, but you, yeah. We will, we'll we get... will look that up and also maybe a better pronunciation on the name because I'm sure I'm butchering it. But she plays the young girl Alfie in The Creator and it her, her face... Uh, I, it just sells on everything. And her connection with John David Washington is what really drives the emotional uh, journey in this film. It's visually absolutely striking. Uh, I, I, just a great look, very original, even though a lot of the themes in the creator seem like they we've seen something like it before. Sure. But it is an original piece. I really appreciated this one. And at the end, I was a little misty-eyed, and that all comes from this little girl's performance, 100%. And it's her debut. She's not acted in anything before and completely sold me. And it's just something that some actresses and actors have 
that draws you to them just if, if they're not really doing anything. She, her looking around and surveying and understanding the world she's in and learning about the world was just fascinating to actually watch, just all on her face. Hmm. Fantastic performance by this young girl. Good pick. Agree. Yeah. That's a good one. <laughs> that was my number five. <laughs> all right. So me, number four? Yep. All right. My number four, which is going to be probably only one on here that's going to win some awards i guarantee it because she already has it is divine joy randolph Mm -hmm. in the holdovers glad this came up her performance as mary lamb won for the books uh i remember her in different films like comedies um dolomite is my name and the lost city that she recently was in with sandra bullock but this one just it's the humor but the heart of a mother dealing with the grief that she is but you know the way she's dealing with it is that she has to she can't just sit there she has to like i have to do my job and do this because this is what he wanted and this is this is the way i'm gonna deal with this grief it is a beautiful performance it is already winning awards i would i would i would say she's the front runner for all for the SAG, for the Oscar, for everything else, mm. because she is absolutely outstanding and honestly well deserved. You think it's going to be a one-two punch with her and Giamatti in the in the acting categories? No. Boy, that, that Giamatti is going to be tough. That's a, yeah. That's a, that's a tough category. I don't know. That's it... that's a tough one because since he's uh, he's up against Killian Murphy. Yeah. So I, that's the thing. I, I think if it was any other year, it would be him, but I think it's going to go to Killian Murphy. I do think he's a dark horse. I'm not ruling him I'm, out here. People love Paul Giamatti, and you got to remember, he's a voting body, and he's been around a long time, and we love him. The Academy loves him, and he's due, and this is his best. It's it's an this excellent performance. I, I Like you said, any other year, he probably walks away with the Oscar, but Oppenheimer's just going to have so much momentum going into that Oscars. It's it's going to be tough to really win anything that that's nominated for. Yeah, yeah. Mm. It's it's this year's Return of the King. Really quick, though, I will say about the holdovers, it seems like it's getting more and more momentum. It was a slow rollout. It's still taking a lot of people to see this movie. Jawheads, it's on Peacock now. No excuses. That's what's giving it the buzz. If you have Peacock, it's there to stream and highly recommend this. I mean, we obviously all talked about it on our top 10. We're talking about it here. It's definitely one of the best movies of the year. Well, and I'll be honest, I almost forgot it on my top 10 because it is so well done and looks so much like it's in the 70s, 80s. I honestly forgot that it was made in 2023. Like, there was a part of me, it's like, oh, crap, that's right. It wasn't, this isn't from the past. Like, this, mm-hmm. no, this is actually now. Oh, yeah, no, that's an excellent movie. Yeah. So, yeah, um, Peacock, like you said, watch it. Well worth your time. And it's excellent, excellent there, acting. There, there's a comfort to the movie. You, you watch it and you almost feel a, a comfort, a warmth from the film. And that's a great time to watch this movie is in, in a cold January winter. Throw on the holdovers. You, you guys will love it out there. Oh, yeah. All right, that swings it to my number four, and I, I think for the most part, my list I tried to highlight performances that aren't going to get an Oscar, that haven't been talked about, that are being overlooked, and I want to give serious props to Michelle Rodriguez in Dungeons and Dragons: <laughs> Honor Among Thieves. This isn't being talked about enough. She plays. Of course not. It's not it's Dungeons and Dragons. Oh my God! <laughs> One of the funniest scenes of the year. 
is when she has her moment with Bradley Cooper, who is a halfling. She, she walks in and little Bradley Cooper walks in, which is just hilarious on the face. And to prove how like great that scene was, Wonka totally aped it with the Hugh Grant stuff. And they're, everyone's saying, oh my God, it's hilarious. Hugh Grant's the Oompa Loompa. Spoiler alert. <laughs> it wasn't that funny because Michelle Rodriguez did it first in D&D. The barbarian, she's the might of the movie, but she's also kind of the the, the heart she's at the, the same heart. time. Yeah. It's a wonderful performance in a kind of underrated movie. And yes, I'm biased. I love D D. But it was a good movie and her performance is largely the reason it was good. I totally agree. That has become like one of my favorite comfort films. Like right. I will watch that on Amazon Prime. Over and over, I'll actually do the timer on my TV to fall asleep to it. It is the one film that I saw this year that I wish I totally, totally regret not seeing in the theater because I can only imagine what that was like, especially was awesome. with the fat pudgy dragon yeah. and <laughs> spoiler. I mean, everything. But yeah, Timber no. Chowd, by the way. Good call. Good call. Thank you. I've actually watched Dungeons and Dragons a couple of times now too because it's on Amazon Prime and it is just one of those movies that's easy to put on. And right. I, if I if I stop it at a certain point, I stop it at a certain point. But I love. It's just a fun adventure. Yeah, you can just pick yeah. up on it again. Yeah. So, big fan. My number four pick comes from a film I feel is is falling out of uh, love here at the end of the year. Made my top ten. It's from the movie Ferrari and it's the best performance in Ferrari. I'm going with Penelope Cruz in my number four. And she plays the wife of Ferrari, who's played by Adam Driver. Talk about someone who's due. Well, she's actually won uh, an Oscar. Okay. So she's she's established, if you will. Fair. Um, but this is a, a wonder. She's always great in almost everything. And and this movie has a lot of uh, bad Ameri- uh, accents by American actors. But she just absolutely nails the role. And being the wife of Ferrari, we come to find out that they had a child together. Um, there's a, a death. There's uh, things have changed throughout this relationship, and I think seeing that relationship and, and understanding it more as the movie goes on was one of just one of the great storylines in Ferrari that I think drew me to this movie so much was learning about this guy's life and uh, struggles that while well, he's trying to make this this great race car and, and such, he's got all this other stuff going on. I really went for this movie. It doesn't seem. Anybody else in the world has. I know Brian Talrico liked it as well, but I mean, where, where'd you fall on this one? I watched half of it. Oh, no. Um, oh, I was at home. So it's only 761, right? <laughs> I didn't actually count that okay. as one of my. Um, all I know is I was at home. I was doing stuff with my family. I was trying to watch it. And then things, and then the next thing I knew, my nephew was like, I'm like, oh, is are you watching Ferrari? She's like, well, some guy was banging some lady on there. And I'm like, okay, so we'll just save that for another time. Sorry about that. I didn't know that was part of the movie. Uh, oops. Okay. That's when two people love each other. That's what happens. <laughs> How old is your nephew? He's this year? 14. Oh. Yeah. Well, I'm, I'm recommending Ferrari. And <laughs> one of the reasons being Penelope Cruz's performance, I think it's fantastic in this one. I think she's got a shot at least getting maybe a nomination for an Oscar. No chance at winning, but she might get nominated. Definitely one of the better supporting roles. So that's my number four. All right. Um, 
So my number three is a film that did not make it to theaters, but it is a film that came out in 2023. It was on Hulu. It should have been in theaters, I believe. Uh, If people don't know, my main type of film that I like to watch is horror. So this is a genre film. It is called No One Will Save You, and it is Caitlin Deaver. Uh, One of the reasons why is this is a 93-minute film with only one line of dialogue. And she does a remarkable job in every single aspects of the film. Uh, If you don't know Caitlin Deaver, I mean, she's been in, like, I honestly can't even count, like, Booksmart, so many films that, I mean, there's nothing she cannot do. But this one, I feel like, is a role that, honestly, people really should have been paying more attention to. And I feel like the film, too. Like, it was my number three um, favorite uh, film in the horror genre uh, this year. And she's my number three um, favorite female performance. I thought she was just absolutely outstanding. Well done. I like this movie a lot. Mm-hmm. Um I got Hulu. I didn't have Hulu at the time. They gave us a screener for this. I don't know if you remember this. The screener was good for like 48 hours. Oh, I didn't get that, yeah. And I was like, oh my God, I, I, don't, I, I, was out of, I couldn't have enough time to watch it in that 48-hour window. Yeah. Well, I'm going to miss it, eh, forget it, whatever. And then I ended up getting Hulu. First thing I did was watch that movie. I was so excited. And it lived up to it. I, yep. I really thought it was a great genre picture. Mm-hmm. And she's all excellent. I love her. Is good it pick. scary? I haven't seen this one. Yes. Okay. It's scary, it's tense, it also has an excellent, excellent reveal, and that's the main thing about it. Uh, it's uh, a... Was it a twist or a reveal? <laughs> it's a reveal. It's a reveal. Oh, yeah. okay. Um, but um, it's one of those, you know, intruder in your home kind of, um, but also, I don't know, I don't want to give anything okay, away because I... it's just, but she's just absolutely outstanding i do recommend watching this one with all the lights off yeah unlock your doors well no not that but i mean i actually (laughs) actually, that's what ryan does i do i do like to do that for my horror movies but it really is because uh it plays around with like the light and Mm -hmm. there's just a lot going on so i watch it at night with the lights off for the best effect for this movie yes okay we'll watch it before bedtime uh Swinging it around to me, I'm I'm going the totally opposite direction. Although I did want to talk about Saw later, maybe after the show. Saw, yeah, Saw. The the new anyway. We'll, I'll save it. Saw X or yeah. Saw Ten. Oh, Saw Ten. Whatever. Yeah. Um, Rachel McAdams in Are You There, God? It's Me, Margaret. Glad X. to see this is on your list. Nice. Nobody's talking about this, and God damn it, she stole the show. I, I mean. Not to discount the, the, the young woman who played Margaret, because I think she did a fantastic job, but the character of the mom in the book is not that important to the story. But here, Rachel McAdams is such a great actress, and I'm sure this was in the script. You know, I'm not giving her f- total credit for the story, but the, the character of the mom is much more important in the film and has her own arc, and it, I don't know. It just balanced the whole story much better than the book. In my opinion, that might be blasphemy. All you Judy Bloom fans out there, please don't send me hate mail. I like the movie better. <laughs> I just did. That was a great move, a great performance. It's not being discussed. Why? It's in one of my top eighteen slash <laughs> ten. 
good. It's it's a crowded field. Uh, I know I, I I'm with you. I I would be happy if she got some she's recognition not, here, but right? she's not unfortunately. Yeah. But I I love the performance as well. My number three. I wanted to go left field with a couple of these picks that weren't getting love also and cast some light on these performances. And I saw this one at Toronto. It, it's on Apple TV. And it is uh, Eve Hewson from Flora and Son. Nice. And this is Bono's daughter. Mm-hmm. And I did that uh, video review when I was you in did. Toronto. Yeah. And this is by John Carney, who does a lot of these, like Sing Street, um, uh, Once. He, he's wonderful with any movie that has to do with music. And in the film, she plays uh, a divorced mom who has this troubled teen who's constantly getting getting in trouble and she's trying to relate to him, connect with her son. How can she guide him out of this life that he seems to be going towards of, of crime and, and just trouble and, and whatnot? And she decides to buy him uh, a guitar, which he doesn't want, and then she picks that up and, and decides to take guitar lessons from who? Joseph Gordon-Levitt, the best guitar player in the world. So she's taking guitar lessons, but what that does is it's the music that she's learning and is able to connect with her son, who's into a different type of music, you know, more of the hip-hop and and such scenes. But then those two start to collaborate. And what a beautiful story. I mean, it's just a nice, touching story that I think anybody would relate to that, uh, you know, you got a, a kid and a parent that want to... You know, especially when you're in the teens, you know, Matt, you have a teenager now. I do. Uh, that you want to connect. You got to connect on you gotta some level. You got to connect on yeah. some level. And it, it, music and, is a great way to connect. And, and yeah. music is a wonderful way. And, you know, this is, a, it's a funny movie. Uh, she swears a lot. She's, she's crass in the film. And I, I couldn't believe for the life of me that this was Bono's daughter. <laughs> it Why? It's not like me. Bono is so uncrass. No, I know. Exactly. But. I was shocked at what a performance she did for, you know, not being... Right. Not being an established right, actor. Right. A seasoned actress, if right. you will. Really knocked it out of the park. Flora and Son. It's on Apple TV now. Highly recommend this one. You've seen it. I've seen it. I love it. I want casting people to put her and Emily Blunt in some sort of, like, sister act situation because every time I watched her on screen, all I could think of, it's like, you guys need to be, like, a big sister, little sister... Um, Sort of. Oh, I thought you roles. meant nuns. Like, no, I know. Let's Sorry, revise, sister act. act. Yeah. Sorry, not actually the nun part. Like, an act with them being sisters. Mm. Uh, because, yeah, I just, I have, there's something about her performance that really reminded me of Emily Blunt, which for someone who I feel like is sort of new to uh, film, I think that's a huge compliment because Emily Blunt is amazing. Mm-hmm. And I've said this many times that I think 2023 is one of the best years for possibility of song nominations and this it really one is. Yeah. had two that I put on our Chicago um for the Windies for um to be nominated. I don't know if they made it, but I mean this was this was a good year and yeah, Flora and Son had two major, majorly great songs. Quick plug if you're curious if they made it folks, go to the the <laughs> Chicago website. It's a beautiful website oh, yeah. and it has the award nominations out there. Yeah, front and center. And we have to vote. Uh, I believe you're telling me, Katie, we have till tomorrow to get our, our we have ballots in. Till tomorrow to get those More votes work. in. More I know, work. I know. I've got such a busy day tomorrow I too. Know. I'll get it done. Same. We yeah. also have tonight. <laughs> 
All right. So my number two, again, I'm going to go genre. Uh, This year, 2023, I thought was pretty weak, the beginning of the year. I, um, I remember doing a show where it's like, what are your top three favorite horror films? And I really, really had to search because it was not, I did not think it was great until... I saw this film in June, which is Talk to Me, Sophie Wilde as Mia. That one brought my faith back. And it's like, thank you for smacking me in the face. Like this brought the horror back to 2023. Her performance was absolutely captivating. I was not aware of her before. Since then, I have like looked up everything she's done. I hope she'll be in the prequel or some form of the sequel, but I thought she was absolutely, like, this was a star-making performance. And the film is, like, one of my favorites of the year. Like, it is so good, and the primary reason is because of her. Mm-hmm. I had some issues with the movie. Didn't, oh, yeah. didn't hate it by any stretch. I, I thought it was a very strong performance, too, and she is in my honorables. I even tinkered with putting her on the list. I agree. It was a great performance. We did our favorite scenes on the last podcast, and I had the first possession scene in this movie when we really see it for the first time on my my top five. I, I really went for this movie. I, I agree. If it's not my favorite horror, it's it's right up there. Yeah, it's number two for me. Yeah. Mine's Megan, but <laughs> I, I was just a huge fan of that movie. Um, and Ari Aster had a movie this year. He did. I don't know if you consider it horror. I don't necessarily. I would kind of consider it like black comedy. There's definitely some horrific elements about it. Oh, I yes. Mean, oh, yes, there are. Oh, yeah. And, and that brings us to uh, my, what are, what are we on, two? Two. And that is where Parker Posey landed. <gasps> oh. Not not the mom, but but Parker Posey, who, who, who breezes into this movie. And this is a movie about crippling anxiety is, is she only on this list because of the sex scene no it's the whole perf- <laughs> it's the whole performance um she th- when she's in but damn we'll get to that <laughs> when she's introduced it's the first time in the movie and it's a long freaking movie it's a long freaking movie where you feel like oh, i can breathe Bo finally relaxes you could see it in his shoulders like joaquin phoenix uh is is actually relaxed for a moment like he's happy to see this person he he starts to talk like a normal human being things happen they wind up in bed and yeah that sex scene is and i think i said this before on the show is right up there for me uh with the moment in the ring where they say i saw her face and then it cuts it like the slam cut to to the girl's face in the closet that like screwed me up i was already an adult when i saw that but it screwed me up (laughs) This, I will never forget Parker Posey's face <laughs> in this movie. Horrifying. Yeah. And the fact that she remains frozen and people come in and just carry just her. Just carry her like that. Like a yeah. statue out of the room. Wow. I don't know. To me, it's the Mariah Carey song just on repeat yes. every time they try and do it. It's like, oh, wait, let's replay this. Like, hold You'll on. Let's always start be again. my baby. Oh. Always be my baby. It's like, oh, man. Ari Aster is a genius. He uh, really fantastic. is. Fantastic. I agree. That's that was Bo is afraid is my what the f did my mind not un- can my brain not unsee film for 2023. <laughs> have you all... watched it twice yet? I have not. I haven't either. I've watched the scene in the attic twice, which that again 
really cemented what the F can my brain not unsee. <laughs> yeah, for me, it was Parker Posey. Holy shit. I, I'll never forget that. Ugh. What a moment. That was definitely a great moment. For it was great. And uh, man, she sold it. I think we even talked about it. it. We, we even talked about it on, when we reviewed it. Like you actually <laughs> said something in the theater. Oh. Like, oh. <laughs> yeah. No, I, I, say, I said uh, um, that I'm not one of those people who like is watching a horror movie and is like, so oh my funny. God, or what the fuck? I never really, any movie, I don't talk. I keep my thoughts to myself. And I couldn't help it. Uh, Bo was afraid. I was like, what the fuck? <laughs> it just came out of my mouth. Just oh, with man. the Parker Posey moment? No, or no. There I were mean, multiple times, actually. There's so many people that ask me, like, what did you think of it? What did you think of it? I'm like, I didn't see it until December when I got the disc. And oh. then oh, wow. there's so many people that I'm like, oh, my gosh, I'm not an anxious person. And I am just on edge for, like, two hours. I'm like, I'm like, my my shoulders are up to my ears. Yeah. I'm like, uh. I had to go have a drink afterwards. Yeah, we walked it's, out of the theater, Matt smoked like five cigarettes in two minutes. I'm, <laughs> like, boom, I, boom, boom. And justified. Yeah, yeah, that was a good one. Loved yeah. it. My number two pick, heavy hitter here. I think she has a shot at winning her second Oscar here. I'm going with Emma Stone in Poor Things. Um, if, if I'm being quite honest, I, I think Emma Stone's one of our best working actresses today. And I actually do think this is her best performance of her career. The only reason why she wouldn't win the Oscar is because she already has one for La La Land. There's other competition out there, obviously. And so that may sway voters, that happens a lot of times, to go elsewhere because like, ah, she's already won one. But damn it, I'm here to say, don't do that. She deserves to win. Poor things. But is... she's only your number two. Oh, no, we're oh, into our ones. No, my no, no. No, this is your my, number, number two. My number two. Oh, okay. But my number one has two movies out this year that I'm going to pull off. Katie and, okay. and have my number one, but <laughs> but it, it's a fantastic performance in uh, everything about it from from the way she starts, you know. So I don't want to call her dim-witted, but like it, it, the brain of a child. And if you've seen the movie, obviously that makes complete sense. Uh, and to see her journey go throughout the entire film, it's it, I mean, it's just it's the role of a lifetime in in a, in a lot of ways. And I mean. I, I love Yorgos Lanthimos. I love the look of the film. It's got comedy. It's a dark comedy, which I love, but it has a, a, a feminist, uh, you know, side to it that that you can get behind. And Emma Stone absolutely anchors this entire film. She's excellent from as soon as she comes on. She's funny when she's walking around to the dance sequences to her learning about. Uh, sex and enjoying sex and, and not understanding that you shouldn't just pleasure yourself at the dinner table because she just doesn't have the manners yet to understand, uh, well, hey, this feels good. I'm going to do this right here. Uh, everything about it was just awesome. I loved the entire movie. I can't wait to watch this a second time. Uh, and I might do it this weekend because we have a screener. Yeah, I, we got I, a disc on that I, one, I, didn't I, we? I, I, at least a link. Yeah. And I have not dipped into it a second time and I've been dying to see poor things for, for a a second. revisit, yeah. yeah. Absolutely. Up until we started recording, she was my number two, and then I switched it because I was like, you know what? I feel like it's going to be somebody else, and I want to give some people that nice. I think maybe are not going to be So you were high list. up on this performance as oh, well. Oh, yeah. I mean, do I mean Emma Stone and Lily Gladstone, I think, are it's going to be neck and neck for I, I best I think actress. it's going to go to Lily Gladstone. And 
I'm okay with that. I think yeah. she's she's wonderful in Killers of the Flower Moon, and it's a, it would be a significant win, obviously. It's the inferior movie, though, right? Right, and I think, to be absolutely honest, I'm just saying as a voting member, if I'm looking at those two performances, I don't think there's, there's any doubt. I, I'm 100% going for Emma Stone. Emma Stone, I do think, yeah, I think... Um... Yeah, I, I, it's, again, it's it's hard. I mean, it's hard because I mean they are two very different um, roles. But I do think Emma Stone's um, performance and her enti- that entire character is just it's the journey that she takes from beginning to end is is just absolutely outstanding. It is, and then you get the Golden Globes that split the categories. So then what happens? Well, Lily Gladstone wins the Golden Globe for best drama, and Emma Stone wins for best comedy. So we still don't have like any edge there on who's actually going to win the Oscar quite yet, yeah. so we'll see. All right, so now it's down to number one. Um, are we in, Do we talk about runners-up or yes. anything like yeah. that? We'll, or, do some, yeah. we'll, we'll do some honorables. Yeah. Okay. So, I've got a couple honorables. One... Whoa, whoa, don't say the honorables yet. Just oh, do your number one oh, now. Oh, my number one. Okay. Yeah. So, my number one uh, was one of the first films that I saw of 2023. It stuck with me. This actress stuck with me. I'd never seen her in anything before. I thought she was absolutely mesmerizing and gave one of the most honest performances of the year, Tiana Taylor in 1001. Uh, Her performance of Inez, a young mother in um, Harlem in the 1980s, 1990s, and then early 2000s, it's dealing with motherhood, um, the system, gentrification, and she is just, I mean, she just gobsmacked me. Like, I don't know where she came from. I found out that she was like a singer or something like that, and I just want her to be in so many other things because I thought she was absolutely outstanding in this. It, again, like Origin, it makes me mad that this is a role or performance that hasn't been noticed more and hasn't garnered garnered more accolades even if you know she wouldn't win the awards i feel like she should have been nominated um and that she or her name should have been out there although i am seeing it more and more so who knows maybe she could be a possibility for an oscar nomination stuff like that but this is one that from like for the past like 10 months I was like yeah she's one of my top performances of the year and that's why she's my number one I'm glad this came up because like you said not enough people talking about it at the end of the year so mine number one was honestly Divine Joy Randolph so I I mean I guess should we call an audible here or what what do you want no just leave it at that we'll do our our uh, honorables, right honorable after mentions. My yeah. number one. Uh, we we said everything there is to say. This is just such a deep, rich, heartfelt performance that came straight out of left field. Not terribly familiar with with her body of work prior to the holdovers, but but boy, I will be now. I mean, definitely, great, great job on that performance. One other thing I did want to note about that. I think what it is is it sneaks up on you because you don't think that you're going to actually get a story from that character true in the movie right yeah we're, we're so preoccupied with paul giamatti and the kid dominic that kids in the beginning kids in yeah. the beginning but then eventually with dominic it's it's like eventually you just think like oh it's just these two and then all of a sudden it's like oh she has a story and it's maybe one of the most interesting stories of the three 
Uh, I mean, they're all great, and that's what makes the movie so special. It does. I yeah. agree. This is one I think we're going to revisit, like, maybe annually. Oh, yeah. 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 It's, it's a like great a new one. classic. Mm-hmm. So my number one, taking a book out of, uh, taking a page out of Katie's book here, she likes to double up and cheat, you know, left and right. And, Don't choose. And when, <laughs> when she was naming her top ten, if you noticed it, she was put pairing a lot of her, her top ten I of did the notice year. that, yeah. And I think it's six or somewhere in there. She, know, she named The Zone of Interest... Oh, yes. And Anatomy of a Fall. And Anatomy of a Fall. And if, if people aren't familiar, they're probably like, what? How do these even connect? Mm-hmm. Well, one actress connects the two. I saw what you had done there. Yep. And the name of the actress is my number one, Sandra Hewler. What a year for this actress. Shh. And she might not get even a nomination here. I will be pissed because Anatomy of a Fall is amazing. I love this movie. It's a courtroom drama, French three quarters, quarter in English, as I've mentioned on, on Cinema Jaw, and it's riveting. And you, it's a, the kind of movie that you can come out of and literally talk to the person that you saw the movie with for an hour about, do you think she killed him? Was it a suicide? Was the son telling the truth? What, 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 how great was the goddamn dog in the movie? You're going to talk about a lot of things when you see Anatomy of a Fall. Best she, canine performance? Yes. Oh, for sure. In, in, a, in, in a great, great while. But we also have her in Zone of Interest, which is oh. absolutely devastating film, where she plays the wife of an officer that is working at Auschwitz, and they literally live right outside of the camp. And uh, Brian Talrico had this very high up on his, his list, and he talked about it a, a couple episodes back. And this film is just heart-wrenching. Uh, it's a powerful film. It's not going to be for everyone. Uh, it's it's slow paced. I, I got the chance to see this at Toronto, and I, I mentioned then I was glad I did because then you're in like a, a festival setting, and it's just uh, just more into the the movie at those times. Mm-hmm. I feel bad for someone that's just going to rent this movie and watch this at home. I don't think they're going to get the impact of of seeing it with a, a, a packed theater. And and normally you say that for a blockbuster. This is the opposite. You want to be in a collective group to feel uh, the pain, and you need that, I think, to really experience this film. I agree. You need to be in that, you know, captive setting, or you need to watch it with someone who has seen it before, so you two can um, can discuss it. I was able um, since I got the disc. Well, I don't know if you were at the screening that they had of this. Mm-mm. So they did a double screening of The Boys in the Boat and then Zone of Interest. Now, you want to talk about a, I don't know, I don't think I can curse on here, but um, you go ahead. You want to talk about a mind fuck because it's like the first film like made my uh, heart grow three times because it's like this underdog sports story of 1936. And then Zone of Interest atrophied my soul. Uh, that just shows the how horrific humanity can be and also set in 1936. And I'm like, oh, my God, what a double feature. But I was able to watch that with a friend of mine. And she's like, I'm so glad you brought this to me and that we're able to discuss it because I can't stop thinking about it. Like, there's just so many things. And if this film doesn't get nominated and win sound design, mm. like... That is what sound design is for. There mm-hmm. are so many aspects of this that just are cringeworthy and just gut wrenching when you hear things while 
there's a party going on that it's just like oh, how can the empathy just drain from people's souls so much I know. and it's just such a good I can't say that it's a it's a, such a well done film because to say it's a good film I mean I I mean the story is horrific but it's just so well done and just a film that someone you know you, you should see at least once because it is really a discussion it's a discussion piece yeah I agree if it, it's playing in a theater near your jawheads I I do recommend seeing it in the theater for the experience of. You know how it is at home. You're distracted. It's just not the same. And this is a movie you literally just have to give yourself to to fully enjoy. You just got to sit there and, and more or less take it in, in a sense. You yeah. Know? Um, that's my number one is Sandra Hewler. What a year she's had. I mean, two absolutely outstanding films. And they're outstanding because she was excellent in both of them. I mean, awesome. Good picks. Yes. Honorable mentions really quick here. Matt? Uh, I got a couple. Sandra O oh in Quiz Lady. Playing against type, oh, I, I really liked it. I also had Mia Maestro on my list uh, from the cow who sang a song into the future. Uh, oh for, my, deep deep cut here. Deep cut. Um, I'm gonna go ahead and give a nod to Thomas and McKenzie for Eileen. I liked it. Um, I, I actually liked. Um, oh my God, Anne Hathaway mm-hmm. uh, in that as well. Natalie Portman, May December. These are the obvious picks. Mm-hmm. Margot Robbie. In Barbie. There goes all my honorable mentions. Matt just knocked off about four of them there. Uh, he knocked off none for mine. Ooh, so, what do you so, got? Uh, I've got Greta Lee for Past Lives. Uh, Annette Benning for Nyad. I feel like that is a film that not many people yeah. are talking about. But, I mean... And Jodie Foster. They, yeah, they were both fantastic. They were both fantastic. Mm-hmm. But it's like, that's a physical role that Annette Benning that she took. Huge. And she did. That's that's huge because mm-hmm. she's the same age as the character that she's um, portraying, and she did an, a lot of that swimming. And then one, I'm cheating because you know I don't. I, that's what I do. Uh, Carla Cugino in the Fall of the House of Usher. Uh, this is something. This was a what eight eight nine part series on Netflix. Each um, episode, she played a completely different aspects of the role that she was playing and she is amazing uh i feel like this is something that she really should be uh awarded for and she just gets better and better every time she does something with mike flanagan like she was my number one in 2017 for gerald's game and Mm. yeah um it just gets better and better jawheads if we missed your favorite female performance and you have twitter pulled up shoot us a tweet or our email, feedback at cinemajaw.com. We are going to take a quick break. When we come back, a brief look at Night Swim and The Beekeeper, plus some trivia. Stick with us. When you're talking about Sam Rockwell, there's a lot of clips to choose. But I thought we'd go to three billboards first. Here is a scene where Francis McDormand's character confronts Dixon, the drunken cop, in three billboards outside Ebbing, Missouri. What the hell's going on around Hey, fuckhead! What? Don't say what, Dixon, when she comes in calling you a fuckhead? And don't you Shut come up. in here! You get over here. No! You get over here. All right. What? Don't, Dixon! What? I'm you Dixon. do not allow a member of the public to call you a fuckhead in this station house. That's what I'm doing. I'm taking care of it in my own way, actually. Now get out of my ass. Mrs. Hayes, have a seat. What is it I can do for you today? 
Where's Denise Watson? Denise Watson's in the clank. On what charge? Possession. Of what? Two marijuana cigarettes. Big ones. When's the bail hearing? I asked the judge not to give her bail on account of her previous marijuana violations, and the judge said, sure. You fucking prick. You do not call an officer of law a fucking prick in his own station house, Mrs. A's. Or anywhere, actually. Was with a new attitude, Dixon. Your mama been coaching you? No. My mama doesn't do that. Take them down. You hear me? And we're back on Cinema Jaw. We're hanging out with Katie Glidewell. We're talking best female performances of the year, Ryan. And you caught up with a couple of extra films. But before we get to that, we're going to kick it over to KP in the fish tank. KP, what's up? Wait a moment. It's fish. Isn't it? DC, Who's coming with me besides Flipper? Here. That's a Sicilian message. That means Luca Brasi sleeps with the fishes. You're gonna need a bigger boat. Hello, it's delightful. This is the first fish tank of 2024, and I couldn't be happier. I actually cleaned up. That's what I did with my break. Have you Changed guys noticed? The filter? Yeah. Yeah, I did kind of notice. I've started using scented pine cones in here. I don't know if that. <laughs> gets put out <laughs> if you guys can smell that wintergreen uh, hmm thank you yes yeah. normally i'm floral but i i don't know i was feeling conifer today uh <laughs> we only have one question in here uh and it's how old is the child actress from the creator uh, and i don't want to say the name because we also asked me how to pronounce it uh so that child's name is Madeline Yuna Voyles. It's Voyles. just Voyles. Okay, Voyles. Um, there's, it's actually really cool. There was like a, on IMDb a breakdown for it. So apparently everybody is like, what the hell? <laughs> uh, How is it? Is it spelled really strangely? I haven't like seen it in print. V-O-Y-L-E-S. That's how I would say it. That's, Voyles. That's, yeah, that's how I would say it. That's the <laughs> shocking thing to me too. Uh Right, and just and maybe, put a D there, and it's Doyle's. You maybe, know? maybe I'm applying some of my own Japanese trauma to this, but Ken Watanabe did not get the same respect. <laughs> <laughs> and I also think that that's a very on the nose one. Uh, despite that, okay. Uh, so during casting of the creator, Madeline was six years old. Wow. Uh, and during filming, she was seven. Seven years old. Yeah, very young. Made my list. Seven-year-old made my list at number five. Yeah. Wow. I was getting held back a year at seven. So, good for you. That was the only thing in there? That's all we got. Next week on the show, we like to preview. We're looking at, haven't confirmed yet, but we're hoping for a movie guy, Leo. Oh, yeah. We have not confirmed. But but we are hoping that we will have him as a guest as we do our top five favorite male performances of 2023. All right. As for movies, I'm thinking two. All right. Lay it on me, Ryan. Lift, which is the new Kevin Hart Netflix movie. Okay. And. That should be great. 
we skipped out at the end of the year. And since we're doing male performances, why not do a very male-driven movie with the Iron Claw? Ooh. That, that I th- well, or we could do both. That's what I'm saying. Do both. Okay. So. That's I like what, it. That's, you know, I like a good. I like a good Kevin Hart in January. Mm-hmm. That's perfect time for it's it. It's perfect time for a Kevin Hart movie is in January. Yeah. When was the last time he hasn't had one in January? <laughs> I, yeah. No. He's, he's Jumanji Two of... was surprisingly not. Well, then he had a couple uh, of other ones. That one where it was him and Woody Harrelson, right. and, and then he had the one where he was the dad who. Me time. Yeah, me time. Right with uh, Marky oh, Mark. Right. Yeah. Yeah, on this one, the name of the movie is Lift, and I thought it was referencing that he's wearing lifts to yeah. be a little bit taller. Mm-hmm. But uh, no, it's it's their, uh, a heist in midair, so mm. they're, they're trying to steal something from an airplane. It looks like a good January release, let's say that. Right. You know? Like a good Kevin Hart Netflix movie? Yeah. 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 So Should be. All right. Jump back in that fish tank. You bet. That clip you heard right there was from the movie Night Swim. And unfortunately, Night Swim could not stay afloat for its full runtime. The film actually worked best early on when we did not know the conceit. On the positive side, Kerry Condon gives a solid performance. I did jump a couple of times, and I came home singing the R.E.M. song, Night Swimming. That's all I have for this one. I'll say this. It's not that scary once you understand what's going on in the movie. But the early part, you know, a, a horror film always opens up with a really good opening scene, draws you in. Well, a good horror movie, yeah. Yeah. And this one has that with a, a young girl uh, opening up her window, looking at the swimming pool and uh, a motorized boat, kind of those like remote control boats. An RC boat, yeah. That that I guess people still have. I haven't seen yeah. them in years. No, they exist, right. Um, but I haven't seen one in years, I'm just saying, is... F- driving around their their pool in the back and she goes to get this boat and she gets out on the diving board goes a little bit further and then falls into the pool and all hell breaks loose and it's scary what's going on there's spirits in the pool and we come to find out that the water in this pool is actually coming from a natural spring ah yeah and and it was built over uh, an ancient burial ground Mm, angry spirits not that far okay uh but also in there is uh wyatt russell Kurt Russell's son, who plays an ex-baseball player who has MS and is now retired, but he goes to do exercises in the pool, and it actually gives him strength because there's something going on with the water. And so oh, he's like sort in of, Cocoon? He's sort of into the pool, but yet... <laughs> Thank you, Katie. But yet the pool is causing havoc with the rest of the family. Overall, didn't like this one that much. So I was, the pool is the villain? I'm yeah, sorry. Yeah, okay, it's, all right. it's the pool. The pool is the bad guy here. And you can only do so much when the pool is the bad guy. One and a half jaws for Night Swim. I was hoping that we would get that Megan magic in January. It's by the same producers, but just wasn't there for Night Swim. As far as Beekeeper goes, Matt, Jason Statham making bee references and seeking revenge on a bunch of bad guys really stings. He plays a beekeeper, which we come to find out is a secret organization that answers to no one. Hmm. When his neighbor is taken by fraud and as a result kills herself, the beekeeper puts down the honey and goes into action. The buzz on this film is John Wick, but with Statham. Or The Equalizer, but with Statham. Or Heart of Stone. 
but with Statham. But with Statham. If you like these kind of movies, Jawheads, you'll probably like the BK beekeeper for me this is absolute crap one and a half jaws for the beekeeper it's january damn it these are the movies we get we get jason statham taking care of a bunch of bees yeah i mean it sounded good on paper oh my goodness so would you say that the alternate titles of these would be amityville swim and buzzkill well done yeah. katie it is one to nothing in trivia already she <laughs> takes an early lead extra credit points that's a yeah Definitely the pun of the year so far. <laughs> you should come up with movie titles all the time. This I is mean, good stuff. you know. <laughs> but I took two for the team, Matt, and seeing these early releases. I want to see Beekeeper. I'm going to see it. <laughs> I might like it more than you, Ryan. You might. Yeah. You might. Because you're a big Statham fan. And I do say he's Not the a big Statham fan. He's I mean, the best bald in the business. I mean, it used to be Woody Harrelson, the best bald. What about The Rock? I don't know. I mean, he's, he's got sort of a weird looking head in a way. It's yeah, almost like, I kind of agree with Ryan on this one. Yeah. I mean, Jason Statham, you know how you go in for the screenings and they always have the poster or some oh, type of advertisement? I, I got it. What's it? Mark Strong. He does oh, have a good bald head. You're yes. right. Mark Strong does. Yeah. He does. He's got a great cranium. Maybe we'll do a he poll. Does. We'll do a poll maybe on, on Cinema Jog. You know who's got Twitter. a bad, bad one? Batista. Sorry. Mm. I said it. All right, I'm going to put yeah, this out yeah, on, on Twitter, and we're going to do a poll, and we're going to get some poll results. Best bald in the business. All right, I like it. <laughs> well, speaking of the best bald in the biz, we're ending this podcast with some fun trivia, Jason Statham movie trivia. All right. It's one nothing, Katie. She starts off with a big lead because of the extra credit point. You're our guest. You get to choose if you want to go first or let Matt go first. Uh, I'll let Matt go first. Oh, thank you. You're welcome. Question number one, Matt. Statham made one movie with Mo- Melissa McCarthy. <gasps> Damn it came it. out in 2015. Can you name that film? I think Katie might be able to. Um, let's see if I can come up with the correct answer. Melissa McCarthy and Statham. I kind of... Oh, I, I'm, I'm remembering it. Is it just called Spy? It is called Spy. Damn it. It was reviewed here on the show. Yeah. I think we kind of liked it, didn't we? Did. We did. Yeah, it's it a guilty it's pleasure. It is. Movie. Yeah. yeah. Okay, Not even guilty right. pleasure. It's really good. All yeah. right. I got to revisit it. It's, it's been a minute. It's a fun one for sure. Um, it is one to one because we are giving extra credit point to Katie. So it's one to one. Question two over to Katie. Jason Statham and a prehistoric giant fish. Name the movie. Meg. That is right. And Meg 2, The Trench. <laughs> <laughs> I have not seen Meg 2. Yeah, you I stayed shouldn't. away. Back over to Matt K. Okay. Matt Statham appears in this 2003 film that also starred Mark Wahlberg and Charlize Theron. 2002? 2003. Mark Wahlberg, Charlize Theron, Jason Statham. And it's I'm, a heist movie. Okay, we'll go with that. Um, it's... Jesus Christ. I Ah, oh man, I'm not going to be able to come up with the name of this one. Um, snatch. I got nothing. I'll give you a hint here. It is a remake. If that helps anybody. I can name five other people that are in it. Seth Green, Donald Sutherland, oh, Edward Norton. I know what it is. And it's got a bunch of minis in it. Yep. And it's called... Is it set in you're, another you're, country? You're doing it's, a really good job here. I know, here. I know. You're doing a really good job. <laughs> um, oh, it's not the transport. It's... No. 
something to do with the country. Oh, uh, it's not the Italian. Yes, and you're doing a good job. Job. The Italian job? Yes! <laughs> Thank you, guys. That was very nice. <laughs> I totally remembered it right after I lost the question. Well done. <laughs> All right. It is now three to one, Katie. Okay. Question four is over to Katie. Jason Statham started his career in 1998 and then in 2000, back-to-back movies, both directed by Guy Ritchie. You need to name both those films. One is Snatch. And Lock, Stock, and Two Smoking Barrels. That is correct. Z Germans. Four to one, Katie. It's a slaughter at this point. Back over to Matt Kay. There are four films in the Transporter series. Really? Absolutely stunning. Is that <laughs> not? Four films in the Transporter series. Are you going to ask me to name them all? No. Okay. How many did Statham star in? One, two, three, or four? I think he's in all four of them. Incorrect, Katie. He is in three of them. That is correct. What is it? The son of transporter? On the I, th- I, uh, he's not in the first one. No, oh, really? He is in the first one. He is in the he first one. He's in the first, second, and third. He's not in the fourth. He's not. No, the fourth is called like the transporter reborn or something. Oh my gosh, I'm thinking of new. the Expendables. Oh yes. <laughs> no, and she still got it right. And she's still got it right. How many, crank, how many crank movies are there? Two. Two, two. cranks. There's two okay. cranks. Yeah. <laughs> I'm telling you, this guy, all he does is... Franchise? Franchise. Yeah. And he plays the same character really pretty does. much. Uh, it is now five to one, Katie. Question six is over to Katie. Which of these isn't a title of a Jason Statham film? Okay. Which of these isn't? Blitz, Revolver, Parker, High Octane. Blitz. Oh, man. That is a movie. That is actual actual Jason Statham movie. Then so, I know what the, then I know what it is. <laughs> read them again. Blitz. Uh-huh. Revolver. And it's not Blitz. So right. just read the other ones. Revolver. Uh-huh. Parker or High Octane. I, I'm going to say Revolver. It's high octane. It's high octane. Yeah. Huh. That I made that one up. Wow. <laughs> but it sounds like a Jason Statham. It does sound it like really a Jason does. Statham. I don't even. I've never even heard of Blitz. I know Parker. That had Jennifer Lopez, mm. and Revolver was also very unforgettable. Was also very forgettable. We should do a Statham marathon. One oh, day. I don't know if I can take it. It's fun for a little while, but after a while, it's like oh, just my head against the wall and I think I'd have more fun. I can take it. Question seven over to Matt Kay. Stallone and Statham star in this series of films. Expendables. There you go. You're on. You got a second one. It's five to two. The game's over. But the last question over to Katie. Jason Statham appears in one film directed by John Carpenter. It came out in 2001. Name it. Ghosts of Mars. Wow. She nailed it. Who knew you were such a Statham fan, Katie? (laughs) I did not. I mean... Even you didn't know. No, I mean, look, I've loved it ever since he did, like, the Germans um, with, I think that was Lock, Stock, and Two Smoking Barrels. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, then he was in Snatched, and or he was in Snatch, and then the Italian job, I think, is when he really went mainstream. Yep. Ghosts of Mars, one of John Carpenter's worst, unfortunately. Yeah. I, we got the DVD or Blu-ray 
in the mail at one point, and it, somehow I watched it. I was like, what is this mess? Yeah. Ugh. Yeah. It's unfortunate. The jawbreaker, if we needed it, was the age of Jason Statham closest to. Matthew, you got to get. I was just thinking about how young he is in Lock, Stock, and Two Smoking Barrels, and that's an old movie now. I think that's 90s, right? 98, 99. Okay. All right. Let's just say it was. Okay, so that's over 20 years, close to 25, call it 25 years, and I would say he was in his late 20s, maybe early 30s then, so god damn, he's got to be pushing 60 years old. I, I'd say he's, you know what, 60, 60. Uh, 52? 56, give that one to Katie. Oh. I was going to go 58, but yeah. yeah. You blew that one, Matt. I, I just, I thought, <laughs> you know what, it's been a little while. Anyway. Ah. Uh, Brings us to the end of our first jaw of 2024. Yes, well done on the trivia, by the way. We got thank a nice you. handshake well done, here. Well first done. and foremost, we got to thank Katie for coming on. Always a pleasure to have you on, and look forward to seeing you at screenings throughout the year. Look forward to seeing you guys too, and thank you guys for having me on my very first podcast of 2024. Uh, it's an honor for sure. It is. We also got to thank our editor, our producer. KP. Happy to be here. I'm popping poppers and just adding them out. We're celebrating the new year. You guys can't hear them. Uh, I also. Oh, that kind of popper. I mean, I thought you were going <laughs> now, somewhere else there. Little column A, little column B. You don't know me. Uh, I also do want to plug again. I know I mentioned it uh, before. Uh, another art show, Pancakes and Booze, February 24th. And the other thing that I realize I don't do, uh, I haven't plugged my Instagram in a while, where you can see the artwork that's going to be on display. It's just less cool because it's digital. Uh, and it's at P underscore Chan underscore art. We'll throw it in the show notes. You know, why not? Because you and I never remember to do that. I'll, I'll remember. <laughs> because that's both our jobs and we both shit the bed every time. You know, I got, anyway, yes. I'll try to remember this Bunch time. Bunch of blockheads here. I've said it before. Ryan's the dependable one. Ryan's the one who will remember a thing to do. And that's what's scary. If I'm the de dependable one, thing, <laughs> the things are going off if, the if rails. If I put it on the list, it'll happen, I promise. We mentioned that we had a comment on my Letterboxd. If you want to follow along there, I'm at <laughs> Rye the Movie Guy on Letterboxd. Do it there. Do it. And we also want to thank our Patreons. Uh, first podcast of the year. We're going to get to a lot of extras. We're still doing the movie roundup. More of those coming. So thank you, Patreons. If you want to join us over there, go over to patreon.com slash cinemajaw. It would mean the world to us. If you can't support us that way, the best way to do it is just by leaving us a review. Yeah. Click a button. Just do it. It's easy. And it's free. It really is. Until next week, I'm Rye the Movie Guy. And I'm Matt Kay. And, and keep, keep on John about the movies. movies.